I'm I'm so super curious about Lloyd Marketing fitting in because he's a guy, right? He can like Kevin Love. We haven't even started talking about him yet, and I think it's oh, best man. that we don't. It's probably best <laughs> that, that we leave that off. That we leave that off limits. Welcome one and all to the Business Casual Basketball Podcast. You're watching or listening to episode 159. This is the third installment of our season preview series. And this is the second part of the quote unquote play-in teams installment of the series. The tier of choice for today is gonna be the play-in team. So very happy to be back on the mic with you guys this afternoon. John Hertopoulos is joining me on this podcast and he is one of the hosts of the Gen Z podcast. And uh, he recently accepted a job at MSG. Uh, he has a new kind of project starting up with two-way games. So this man is uh, one of the biggest NBA enthusiasts you're going to meet. Uh, he loves talking ball, loves interacting with people, and um, got to meet with him at Summer League uh, this past August uh, to discuss some things with him. So, John, I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for jumping on this pod. Extremely excited to get to talk ball with you, and I uh, love the work you got going on for your various projects. Uh, you're doing big things out there, man. I appreciate that so much, Aaron. Like, really means a lot. You were the first person, actually. I didn't just meet you with someone. You were the first person I met when I was there. Um, so literally walked into the SBC room. Like, everyone was there. It was kind of, like, a little intimidating at first. And then you just kind of were right there. I think Nemo already knew some of, of some of your friends from No Trade Clause. And it just kind of, we just got talking. And then when you reached out to me about coming on the show, I was like, dude, of course. Like, this is going to be a lot of fun. So super excited to come on and, and continue this installment. Episode 159, congrats on that, right? Showing that consistency. Um, and really excited to be on and help in any way I can. And anything I can do to talk hoops. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say yes to that. So it's going to be fun. Awesome, man. I love the enthusiasm. And, uh, and if you guys are listening to this, you might not be able to see it, but he's got this dope wall behind him. Uh, he has some Jersey cases going for Zingas, Durant, um, Giannis on the wall. And that's something I'm trying to do as well. Uh, I'm trying to frame some jerseys to put on my wall. So that's something I thought about for a long time. So I love to kind of see all that laid out, man. You definitely got a dope Jersey collection. So maybe on a future pod, we can throw you on here and you can rep one of your jerseys. <laughs> Oh, the camera. That'd be pretty cool. Definitely. But in any case, man, let's go ahead and dive into these three teams that are on tap for this afternoon. Uh, the first of which being the Toronto Raptors. Uh, they find themselves outside of the playoff um, race um, going back to last season. Uh, they didn't even qualify for the play-in. Uh, they only achieved 27 wins last season. It was a whirlwind season for them. There was uh, some departures from the season before. There's some transition going on. Uh, Kyle Lowry was rumored to kind of be in a trade um, most of the season. So it definitely wasn't the campaign that uh, I think Raptors organization, the fans have come to expect from them. Uh, but they do go into this season with some new faces. Uh, Kyle Lowry has departed. They drafted Scotty Barnes at number four overall. Uh, so they're trying to make some big moves here in the Eastern Conference. And um, it's going to be interesting to watch how they kind of approach the season because they're not going to be able to start at full strength. Um, Siakam is coming off with soldier surgery. Uh, Boucher, uh, I think, broke his finger uh, in the offseason, so he's having um, recovery time for that. And then even Ken Birch is um, on the shelf to start the season. So you know what that means, man. It, it's time for ex-heat player Precious Achua to kind of step into the limelight and get himself some touches. Uh, but I want to ask you, how do you feel about the, uh, the young core of this team? Do you feel like they've made some good decisions as far as who they drafted? And, you know, how do you think they're going to fare going into a big season, you know, for guys like OG, Precious, and, and Scotty Barnes? It's going to be really – this team is one of the most interesting ones in the entire league because last year, right, no one would have expected that they would have finished the way they did. Coming off being the number two seed, right, making all these pushes, whether it's obviously to the finals two years ago or even just uh, the year before, the year after that, uh, going up to the semis, uh, it really just is surprising to see the kind of meltdown or throwaway season maybe that last year was. Uh, but thinking about this year, their new core, 
it's Scotty Barnes is someone, I mean, everyone is someone who's kind of really, really into him. I mean, for good reason, right? He shows a lot of promise and a lot of skills that if he gets just a little bit better at those things, he has the intangibles to make it all, all work. So if, if a lot of those guys kind of take form and, and, and maybe live up to expectations that they're supposed to do, and Nick Nurse has been great at doing that, right? I mean, look, guys, like, like a Siakam, like an OG Ananobi, guys that weren't picked very high but played really well. Now they have some guys that maybe were picked pretty high, so they're starting off a little bit better than they, than they normally are used to. Uh, the, 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 that, that championship team had the highest picked guy was Kawhi Leonard at 15. They had no lottery picks. Right. Uh, so now maybe getting some guys that maybe going into their rookie years or sophomores, we kind of know what to expect and we know that they're pretty good. It'll be interesting to see how they're able to develop in a year's time, two years' time, um, and, and that'll be very telling of, of where this team kind of nets out at. Exactly, man. You've touched on the Raptors' development. They've been extremely good at bringing up guys that were not highly touted coming out of college uh, and growing them, molding them into significant impact players in the NBA. And uh, one guy I like to just kind of brag on whenever I can is OG Ananubi. Um, I had the opportunity to get a selfie with him, kind of meet him a little bit uh, in summer league 2019 when I was out there for the first time. Uh, and, you know, I've been a fan of him ever since he was drafted. So I, I love his defensive capabilities. I love his kind of quiet demeanor, kind of similar to like a Kawhi lender. You don't hear much from him, but he does a lot of great things on the court. And I'm really interested to see how he produces uh, this season, because now more of the load falls on his shoulders with the injuries. Um, you know, he hasn't eclipsed 20% usage in any season yet. And now he's looking at an opportunity where he's going to be, you know, one of the primary options on offense. So I'm curious to see how that affects the shooting percentages, how that affects his aggressiveness and, uh, you know, how overall he operates kind of from like outside the paint uh, because he's been a great attacker his whole career, but now he's going to be relied on to create shots for himself, um, create shots for others and, you know, be a good playmaker, a good facilitator, which, you know, has been one of his weaknesses going in. So uh, that's something I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. And, uh, you know, do you feel kind of similarly about OG? Like, how do you feel like he's going to respond to the added responsibilities that's going to fall on his shoulders from an offensive perspective? I definitely agree with that because I feel that way for almost the whole team. So many of these guys in this roster, we, they're looked at as maybe defensive specialists or defensive only players. Like even Fred Van Vliet, right? I mean, 54 points last year, everyone kind of talks about him as being, or the, maybe him, him lighting up the 2019 playoffs. He, he led the league in deflections last year. A lot of these guys looked at as defensive-minded players or defensive-centric players, which you know, hopefully can produce good numbers on that end. But what, in terms of development, like I mentioned earlier, that's going to force these guys to develop it, these offensive skills that they maybe never had before. Maybe they didn't play that role even in college or their first few years in the NBA. And now that guys like Siakam are, are going to be missing games, they're going to have to step into that role. So developmentally, I mean, that, that they're just getting really a crash course down in the first few weeks of the NBA season. And that's going to be very telling. The same way last year's season kind of just started off poorly and it just kind of snowballed from there. This year, the big first few weeks of the season are going to be critical to just keeping these guys mentally in check. I mean, we mentioned this even at Summer League a lot of times. It's a big thing in terms of losing being a mentality. If they start losing games, they're going to keep on losing games. It's all about if they can start off strong and get some good wins, some good momentum-boosting wins. And a lot of these guys who, right, like guys like an OG or guys that are maybe in their first, second, or third year in the league, they're not used to losing many games from, like, their high school or college days. So it's, it's, a, it's a shock when you start losing games in the NBA. Because you're used to always winning the championship when you're in 15, 16 you. And now it's kind of weird. And why, why, why are we not, why are we, why is every game, you know, why, why are we losing these games? Or why is it not always super fun? Um, so being coming off to a good start is gonna be super important for them. It's tough to do when your best players aren't around, but developmentally, uh, when it comes to development, uh, development, that's gonna be a huge thing for them is if they can play outside their roles. Like if, if OG can write expanded skills a little bit, maybe be able to handle the ball more, be able to shoot it a little bit better, then he'll be able to fit himself into that role that he couldn't have done last year. Sure, sure. And I like how you touched on just the importance of the beginning of the season for Toronto, because, you know, like you said for last year, I mean, it started off rough and 
things just kind of snowballed and gradually got worse. And that's how they ended up with, you know, a record of 27 and 45. Uh, but I do think there is potential with this team because I'm looking at the expected win loss total from last season. They're expected to win 35 games based on their, uh, I think like their net rating and win differential, things like that. So that tells me that there is some potential for this team. If they can just kind of clean up things on the margins, uh, be a little bit better in certain areas, uh, they could definitely be a competitive team. And I think a big part of that, aside from OG and Anubi, is going to be Scotty Barnes <laughs> coming into year one. Uh, I think he's going to have a big role for this team, even as a rookie. Uh, that, that comes to be expected from a guy that's drafted number four overall. Uh, you know, a lot is going to be expected of him. Uh, but going back to my experience watching him in summer league, I'm very high on him. Uh, his defensive ceiling seems to be very high, just like OG and Anubi. Uh, but offensively, I think he has a lot to offer um, even now. Um, as long as he kind of shies away from that three-point shot that's not quite there. Um, in the first preseason game that they played against Philadelphia, you know, he put up 13, 9, and 6 with two steals and two blocks. So I love the competitive spirit he brings to the table, you know, the versatile skill set. Uh, I, I think it's going to take some time for him to kind of be a complete player offensively, just like guys like OG and, and Siakam. But when that gets there, I think it's going to have a lot to offer to this team. So, you know, I love – the game he brings to the table. And uh, I think he's going to have a crash course on how to win in the NBA um, because he's one of those guys that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, it's going to be a, an adjustment for him. you losing games from the outset, uh, you know, for a team that, you know, is kind of lacking in some of the star power. So very interested to watch his development. I'm fascinated what you said about them not, you know, not losing. You know, it's their point difference will be the main thing that really stands out. They were the only team last year um, to, to be in the bottom five uh, teams in the NBA in both clutch offensive field goal efficiency and then defensive field goal efficiency, which is pretty that, – that in and of itself is pretty solid that they're not able to close games as well as you'd expect them to, yeah. uh, right, being that they're so young and inexperienced, but hopefully that, that development happens over time. Uh, but the biggest thing, like you mentioned with point differential, is that they were they were actually a positive. Uh, even even though when they were 27 and 41 and they're 14 games under 500, they were a positive in net rating or in, or in point differential. That's crazy. Which is, which is kind of it's, – it's that's such a weird stat to me. I, I really – can't wrap my mind around how that really happened um but going to this season right can they if, if they can win if, like if you flip some of those games that changes the whole dynamic of your season uh they were a, a plus on point differential for the last four games of the season and then they finished up uh with whatever their record was uh but that's i think something that's super important thinking about how do they close games because that especially then to if you if you lose a game from start to finish that's one thing but to be winning or, or keep it close and always be losing in the last couple minutes now you're starting to have regrets now you're starting to think okay what, what went wrong um, and that's kind of where, right, that, that's where the snowball effect kicks in when you're always losing tight games or always losing games where you, you kind of slip up in the last few minutes. That's where that, that uneasiness sets in. So hopefully they can write the ship this year and they, and they have the experience, everyone getting one more year of experience under their belt. Uh, losing Kyle Lowry is obviously a huge, you know, in terms of veteran leadership is a huge uh, problem with that. Um, but hopefully all these, everyone else getting one more year is going to be very beneficial and then getting over that hump. Exactly, man. And you just on the backcourt a little bit, losing Kyle Lowry, that's one of the big, I think, talking points for this team is how do they respond to that void that's created in the backcourt? Van Vliet is definitely going to help a little bit. Uh, but if we go back to last season, they made a major trade that I think might have also contributed to the snowball effect. They traded out Norman Powell, who was, you know, one of the best offensive engines for this team, swapped him out for Gary Trent Jr., uh, definitely a downgrade in the short term, but there's a lot of potential with Gary Trent. So he got a three-year contract, very valuable contract. And, you know, some people would say it's an overpay, 
Uh, it starts at 16 million for this season and it jumps to 17 and then 18 and a half for the third year, which is a player option. So, you know, I'm curious to see how Gary Trent does with like a full-time starting role. Now, you know, he did finish in the bottom uh, 25% of rim attempts his first four years in the league. So that's definitely an area where he's going to need to improve. And I think if that comes together, that makes him a very complete player because he's already, uh, I think I would say he's a decent defender, you know, just at least if you look at his effort level and, you know, what he can do with his size in the backcourt. Uh, but then also with that offensive punch from uh, a shooting perspective, it's, it's been there pretty much since the second or third year of his career. So that's going to come together, hopefully for him. And then that's going to pay dividends for the Raptors in terms of replacing some of that shot creation, three-point ability that Kyle Lowry is leaving behind. And then of course, Drogic is on board. So if it's you and you're trying to make a decision as to how you kind of sort out the rotation in the backcourt, um, you know, how do you divvy up minutes between Van Vliet, Gary Trent, Drogic, and uh, Malachi Flynn? Because he's another guy that's going to be worth watching when it comes to the guard rotation. One thing I was going to say is we got to be careful what we say about Gary Trent Jr. because that's Nima's guy. Nima, I don't know if you remember when, when oh, the Rockets yeah. didn't get him. Nima <laughs> was very upset. So I'm going to be careful what I yeah. say about Gary Trent Jr. I got to be right. watch, my, watch what I say. But uh, in all seriousness, though, it is a, an interesting thing there. And Matt, Matt, at least with so Malachi, he's someone that right really could make a run for getting starting caliber minutes, right? He's one of those guys that has that potential. So that's something super interesting. Goran Dragic obviously has had like uh, just a, a seller run in this league the last few years, right? Leading teams, right? Like, think about what he did with the Heat, right? Being that, 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 that point guard that can really will that team um, in, a, in, the, in the way that he did. It, 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 could he be kind of transitioning more to that Ricky Rubio role now? I, I think that it might be getting to that point. It depends, right? With some of these young guys on the Raptors being so good um, and, and developing and needing to get minutes to further develop themselves, he might have to start taking that, that six-man role um, as, as, that, as that guard. Because he's always been the starting point guard for as long as I, I can remember watching him play, um, going back to even when Phoenix had him in that weird three-point guard lineup, right? Like all, that, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but looking at the way it's going now, I mean, the same way Ricky Rubio is going to have a, a, a very productive season this year, like coming off the bench and being that maybe perfect backup point guard. That might be more um, uh, be more of Goran Dragic's role. It's been curious to see what the, how that looks like. Mm-hmm. Gary Trent Jr., like you, you kind of just you hit it on the nail on the head talking about just maybe his game and what it could take off uh, this season. We, we said we said about Malachi and then just with everyone, like with Scotty Barnes, whoever else it is, right, filling in those other roles. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But I think those first few games of the season, like we said, are going to be really what's telling you about that because that's going to set the tone. Guys, I, I, I don't think we're going to see very many big guys playing 40 minutes, right, or 35 minutes at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to be getting a little piece of it. And then whoever performs best in those minutes is going to take it the rest of the way. That's a good analysis. I would, you know, agree with that one. So if we're going to break it down and we're going to try to take a look at where this team projects to finish for next season, I mean, I honestly think they kind of finished similar to last season. Uh, I think that they're going to get off to a rough start again, uh, missing some of their main rotation players. Uh, it's a tough hurdle to kind of cover, especially when some of the main guys you're focusing on um, to kind of, uh, you know, compensate for that are on the younger side or they're a little bit unproven in those roles. I think it's just going to be very difficult for them to kind of climb out of that role, um, the kind of hole that they might dig themselves early in the season. So, uh, you know, they were the 12th seed last season. I would say 11 and 12 for this season, unfortunately, just because it's going to be a slow start, a slow start more than likely. And then it's just going to be difficult for them to make up for that. So how, how are you feeling about their, their finish for the season? I would say right. 12, 13 is where I'd expect only because the East has gotten so much deeper, right? Like, yeah. like those, those, it's not even so much like when you think of the, of a, of a conference getting better, you always think of like, okay, LeBron just went over to the West. Like, what does that mean for the West? Like, it's not really the top one, two, three, four seeds. It's those six, it's the, yeah. it's the bull. It's, it's all those teams right there. Right. Those seven, eight, nine seeds. 
Um, we're, we're about to talk about the Cavs and right, what they can do. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that, like how they compare. Um, but there's all these other teams that maybe made more moves or maybe that have a stronger young core um, that are, are really going to be holding those nine and 10 seeds. It's going to be tough to see how um, Toronto is able to fit in there. If they start off really hot, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll both be wrong and say that they want, that they're going to be in 12 or 13. But the way it looks now, unless guys get way better between what's with summer league and, what, and, and now, it's going to be tough to justify saying that they're, they're a surefire playing team or anything like that because just they haven't proven it yet. Um, we're, all, we're, we're seeing great hypotheticals in terms of how they could do it or how guys could you know earn spots or get minutes or or really make a, a name for themselves or develop, right? We've said, I mean, how, whatever the word counts for that, maybe 20 times we've said that word. Um, mm-hmm. They actually have to, like, developing is a nice word, but you have to check to do it. You actually have to get better uh, for that word to mean anything. So hopefully they do that and they're able to, to get over that hump. But as it stands right now, I'd be hesitant to say to be any higher than 12. It's, it's pretty tough. Me too, man. I think we're in agreement on that one. It's unfortunate because just a couple of years ago, they were a title team, but things changed quickly in the NBA. And now it's given way to younger talent. And as you said, there's gonna, they're going to need to prove themselves before we really gain confidence in them as a legitimate playoff team. So you just covered the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. So why don't we dive into them a little bit? Uh, this is a team that is in, I think, coming up on like year four of this rebuild in the aftermath of LeBron James' departure. So we go back to last season. We look at how that ended up for them. It was more of the same, man, to be honest. I mean, they finished uh, with 22 wins in the Eastern Conference, so they were just below the Raptors. And, you know, their defense was pretty bad again. They were bottom five in that department. But their offense wasn't very confidence-inspiring either, 28th on that end. So going into this season, they made some changes. Uh, we know that Lowry Markin is coming in in a side-in trade. Uh, they re-signed Jared Allen. They drafted Evan Mobley. So that front court is very talented. But the problem is... It, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of figure out the rotation uh, for that front court. I actually just uh, listened or rather read an article um, on the ringer that talked about how they kind of juggle out that rotation. And, you know, it really made me think it's like, do they prioritize the development of Mobley or do they try to actually try to start to climb out of this hole that they've dug over the last few years with giving more time to Larry Markkinen. So it's going to be a tough kind of, puzzle to kind of figure out there um, because there's three really solid big men. Two of them just got paid big money. And then the third is a high draft pick number two in the 2021 draft class. So that's going to be something that I think might interfere with this team taking the next step. And uh, I think they're going to win more games this season. I think they're going to be a little bit better, but I still don't see them as a playoff team. You know, kind of spoiling the end in terms of where I think they're going to end up, but uh, there's still some things to figure out. They're still a young team. And uh, I think there's another year or two to go before they really realize the true potential of this young core they've been developing over the past few years. I definitely see uh, there's so much to dive into there. I had to preface by saying that I'm going to take out as much bias as I can through the Cavs being a great uh, show. They, they, I've had so many guests from them on the podcast as well, Darius Garland, a couple of assistant coaches. So I'll do my best to remove any bias that I have towards the Cavs. Uh, but I really hope that they're able to, to figure out. I mean, it's kind of what you just said, highlighted is a problem everyone's kind of looking at is what do they do with all their bigs? What, where does development come into play there? Elvin Moby's such a, a corner, he's really a corner piece for their entire franchise. He's the highest draft pick they've had since, since Kyrie, right? You know, it's as a number three overall pick. So what do they really do there with him and how do they get the best out of him? He's looking pretty good in preseason. He looked great and he looked, he was great in those last games of summer league. Didn't start off very strong um as, as i can't bring him up but i was sitting with nima during one of the, during the first game and he was he was heckling uh evan Moby because he was going up against jalen green um but still right getting to what in terms of what actually uh we're talking about in terms of where, where he can kind of go from here there's a lot that everyone talks about it all these i i just keep on seeing on twitter all these Cavs assistant coaches 
and maybe they're just saying because they're because he's their guy, but they're they, they're raving about how much potential he has, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you heard across the league going into the draft, uh, you're hearing it from his coaches now, you're hearing it from the, the league now in terms of where he can go. The problem with that is you just signed Jared Allen for hundred million dollars. You just met you read, you mentioned what you said about Laurie Mark, and then there's a lot of of crowd up there. And where does he exactly fit into that? I think he's going to have to play a, like, to start the season. He's going to have to maybe fight for that a little bit, but if, if it goes south, he'd have to start playing a lot of minutes because there's no way you could justify um, sitting him when, where, where is the team going, right? If, if, if people are saying they're not a playoff team and they're showing that they're not a playoff team or a playing team at the very least, it's hard to justify benching the number three overall pick and someone that you've invested so much of your future into. Exactly. Uh, so I think their, their position and where they are in terms of the season is going to, is going to mean a lot towards his minutes. And obviously of course, how he plays. Um, but it'll be, I'm, I'm, I'm so super curious about Louis Markin and fitting in because he's a guy, right. He can like Kevin Love, we haven't even started talking about him yet. And I think it's oh, best man. that we don't, it's probably best <laughs> that, we, that we leave that off, that we leave that off limits. Um, but that's right. Louis Markin maybe fills a lot of that role, right. Being that stretch for, right. People forget like how, how great Louis Markin was his rookie year. Now last year, everything got weird with like his, his, his touches and things kind of got weird over in Chicago. All of Chicago was kind of weird last year. Uh, but Lloyd Marketing has talent. He's he's a very skilled player. And he maybe sure. stylistically, when you have bigs like a like a Jared Allen and an Evan Mobley who are who are that kind of right, not 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 really stretching the floor very well, he can maybe provide that in ways that other guys can't. Absolutely. Um, so that I I did like that signing a lot because I think he does add value to them. That, that if he's the Lloyd Marketing that we remember, that you know, before all the weird Chicago stuff that really no one can make sense of, um, that's that's a great move. Um, if it really is, does end up being four bigs looking for right, playing play two spots, that might get a little tricky. Um, so it really is dependent on how maybe this training camp goes and how how with the preseason and, and the first few games of the season start out. I, it's, it's a recurring theme I think we're going to be talking about a lot with these plant teams is how the start of the season goes. The better teams, right, they can lose a couple games and, and straighten it up. Sure. Um, it's very rare, rare when, you have, when you have a wizard situation like last year where they lose their first six games, uh, whatever, however many it is out of their first 20, and then somehow make the playing game. Um, and, and then I end up winning the play and then and making the playoffs at the, as the eighth seed. That doesn't really happen often. Uh, that was one of those freak situations, which obviously was great for them. Um, but for the Cavs, figuring out that front court is going to be their biggest thing. Uh, their, their front court um, is going to be the biggest thing because their back court, right? You have guys like we're, we're, we'll talk about them, like Colin Sexton, Darius Gone, that have really proven that they'll get better. And everyone's super high on them in terms of this being a breakout year for both of them. Oh, yeah. um, but for those guys in the, in the front court, how that's divvied up and how personalities maybe mesh or how, how that all happens is going to be very telling about the start of the season. I think that's probably their most, they're, they're, they're the biggest thing to look at. Um, if you're watching this Cleveland Cavaliers team in the first five, six, seven games. Yeah, man. If you ask people and you present them the question, can you have too much of a good thing in the NBA? I'd say, yes, you definitely can. Uh, when it comes to multiple players that need playing time for different reasons uh, and the Hawks are encountering the same issue, Uh, eventually you have to make sacrifices. Um, You have to make sacrifices. The players have to make sacrifices. And in terms of this team, they either sacrifice developmental time or they sacrifice wins. So it just comes down to how they start. As you said, you know, if they start off rough, you know, you get to the last 20 games of the season, you have nothing really to play for, then yeah, Mobley's going to get the nod. But I think early on, his minutes will be a little bit reduced. Uh, He'll be between 15 and 20, I think, to start until at least he kind of shows that he's ready for more. And my big problem is it's like you're investing so much of your cap into these guys, all your resources, you know, between even if we just say, say Love and Jared Allen together, $51 million, those two guys, Love probably isn't going to play that much. So it's unfortunate that he, he's kind of declined to the role to the degree he has, because I think if he didn't, if he was still pretty effective, there'd be no reason to sign marketing because he can do pretty much the same thing 
in that at his peak, he was much better at than Markkanen is now. So that's definitely unfortunate. Uh, I think that's going to definitely cost them a little bit when it comes to developing continuity and really getting into a rhythm in the season. Um, but shifting over to the backcourt, I think that's where there's um, there's more proven talent. Uh, there we've seen more of them when it comes to really tangible um, results that can translate to winning. But in, you know, in that case of the backcourt, it's in flux because Colin Sexton is eligible for an extension on his rookie deal, but they haven't shown any indications they're going to give it to him. He wants near the max. We know that he wants a hundred million, but they don't see him at a hundred million because he's probably isn't worth that. Uh, going to John Hollinger's projections for rookie extensions. He put his total at about 64 million over four years, uh, if I remember correctly. So a lot less than the max, even though it's still a good amount of money. That's what you pay high end starters. Uh, and then also, um, you know, guys, like six men roles, elite six men. So Definitely a, a divide there. That's why I think he's going to hit restricted free agency after this season. And uh, But I think he's still going to have a big impact on this team. Uh, Colin Sexton is another one of those guys I've had the opportunity to meet in the past. Uh, he dropped by one of my uh, one of the jobs I had uh, a few years ago. So, you know, I love his tenacity. I love how he approaches basketball. And uh, I've been a fan of his as well since he was drafted. But it doesn't seem like he's a great fit for this team overall in the long term. So I think either they find a trade for him or, you know, he moves on in restricted free agency next year, but, you know, either way, the backcourt is great. And uh, I'm curious to see how Darius Garland improves, uh, you know, maybe possibly most improved player conversation coming off of that USA experience. Uh, a lot of interesting questions for the backcourt as well. Although I think they're a little more proven than the front court um, when it comes to, you know, just what they can do for this team specifically in this moment in time. I think the thing with that is that the backcourt, they have their roles very pre Like they, they know where they know who they are and where they are. Mm -hmm. they, like Consex and theirs gone, they like each other. They know exactly what to do. And Ruki Rubio is kind of, a, he's very uh, secure with being a great backup point guard. Yeah. That, and I, I mentioned him earlier for that reason is that, right, that's that's a role that he might've been used to being, right, that the point guard, the, the starting point guard in Minnesota and averaging however many assists it was per game and really leading that team and the glory days with Kevin Love, right, when he when he, when he was that Kevin Love, okay, the double-double machine Kevin Love back in, in Minnesota. Glory that's day. obviously not... Yeah, I'm sorry. 40, 30, 35 to 40 wins, the glory days. <laughs> oh, those are those, yeah, the, the glory days were real. But yeah. then again, right, um, thinking about just right him right being that role and being one of the one of the better point guards in the league. Now taking that backup role, and from what it sounds like, it sounds like he's content with that, and he'll and, and like not just content, but like he'll he's going to do a great job in that role and provide a lot of support for them. So that I think that's the biggest thing is. is understanding their roles and understanding where they fit in their purpose on the court. Um, and that's going to make the, that's what makes the backcourt, I think going to be a, a success as opposed to the front court where everyone has question marks because they, yeah. everyone kind of knows what to do. Um, and, and they, and they're, they've done it before, right? Like they've like, Ricky Rubio has proven to be a great veteran leader coming off the bench. Like the guys like that, like Darius gone context and they've proven that they can do what they do. And, and they, they at least show that they have gotten better every year to where they could explode. Like context right? Averaging almost 25 points per game last year despite right obviously the season being what it was and, and the team being what it was showing that right this could be his year to really blow up going from that right from wherever that 25 points per game is fixing his efficiency numbers fixing some other things to really uh, show out and maybe get an all become an all-star Darius Garland could be a fringe all-star that's maybe their best case scenario and obviously it's not super realistic but if that's if that if that's something that can happen um that's kind of the fact that that's even a, a hope or a thought is what I think gets people excited about that backcourt to the point where the front court maybe it's a little bit more uneasy for sure. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, there's there's an avenue for this team to be competitive, be solid. 
uh, you know, maybe even compete for a planned spot. That's why I put them in this tier. I think they can challenge for a spot. I don't know if they're actually going to get one, but I think they can definitely be in the conversation. But as you mentioned, it comes down to, you know, that backcourt kind of taking that next step that we think we're, they're capable of. And then the front court just, just sorting out the mess. I think it's just a mess right now. Like there's, it's, you know, it can be pretty if they kind of figure it out, but at the time, at this point in time, it doesn't seem like it's all that pretty when it comes to the rotation. So there's just a lot of question marks for this team. Like I think if you're looking at a team before the season and you're trying to project where they're going to go, but you have five questions, you have 10 questions about how they're going to deal with the different situations. That's where I think there's going to be a potential for them to underperform or just go off to an, a rough start, which is a common theme with these two teams. Like I don't see how they kind of shoot out of the gates. You know, I'm watching, you know, them in, in preseason action and, you know, there's just a lot of clunkiness. And of course that's preseason in general, but I think that in this, you know, this rotation with their entire team, it's going to be kind of challenging to kind of fit guys in. Isaac Okoro is a great player as well uh, for that rotation, but he's still trying to figure out his role as a sophomore. Is he a two? Is he a three? Like just things like that. Can he improve his shooting from the outside? So uh, I'm, I'm curious about this team. I think they're going to be fun. I love the Allen addition to this team, bringing him in and getting rid of Drummond. Like they've made some good moves, but I'm kind of underwhelmed at to the point that they developed because this is like year four of the rebuild and the Hawks and the Suns at this point, they were starting to kind of shoot upward as with the Cavs. It seems like they're still kind of stuck in the mud and trying to figure out where they want to be. So I think they end up just outside the plan as well, uh, just like the Raptors. Uh, you know, how, how do you feel about this team? You know, is there any hope for them to make it? Or are you kind of a little bit down on them as I am? Comparing rebuilds is a fascinating thing that you just brought up. I mean, thinking about like teams, the Suns and the Hawks, it really makes you put in perspective what some of these other teams in this rebuilding mode have done, right? Thinking about, wow, like a team going from, from, from 20 wins to 50 wins. That's pretty crazy. I mean, obviously the things that happened with, you know, signing Chris Paul is a big thing for that. Oh, uh, yes. With the Hawks surrounding training with some incredible shooters, everyone kind of underrated them last year. And then all of a sudden, right. They're making noise in, in the, in the Eastern conference semifinals and finals. Um, so that, that, that's something that you thank you for bringing that up. Cause that just made me think a little bit about how cool that is. Um, but in general, in terms of what, uh, your question about where I see this Cavs team, I'm a little, I'm a little bit more optimistic about them. Might be partially due to bias, um, right, with all, with all the guests and with, and with Darius and all that stuff um, for being a, a great dude and a, and a great supporter of the show. But in, in all, in all, in all, in all uh, being, being realistic, it does have the potential to go south, which I'm, I really hope doesn't happen because it's going to be weird, awkward for everybody involved, whether it's guys that like, like, like a Kevin Love or a Jared Allen that just got paid, that's, that, that have been getting paid for a while in a, in a, in a, in a pretty crazy contract. That's going to be weird uh, for the young guys at context. And like we were talking about restricted free agency and all that, that's going to get a little weird. Like it's just going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. And it's going to be like tough seeing that on Twitter. So I really hope they can get it right. Uh, Cause I it's just something that I, I really hope could be a little smoother than it has been over the last few months and seeing how the rebuild's going, because to be honest with you, I, you, you, you t the worst thing with a rebuild is when you have to rebuild again. Um, yeah. And that's maybe the worst, that's the, that's the worst situation for rebuilds to have two rebuilds in a row. Right. Um, and from what it looks like that it might be going that way, this season is really going to make or break that. For sure. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a couple of teams that I think have rebuilt it for a while. And you just, you know, you touch on maybe like the Sacramento Kings, who I discussed in my last podcast. It seems like they just eternally rebuild. They just kind of go through it and then they just start rebuild part two and part three. It's a whole series at this point. <laughs> so you definitely don't want to follow that script. Uh, another team that kind of fits that bill, you know, they've been kind of in the cycle forever. Uh, you know, they had some glory days. You touched on them earlier for a little bit, but uh, you know, now I would say they're definitely kind of trying to at least get back to where they were before, uh, which says a lot about their past. 
Uh, but the Minnesota Timberwolves have been kind of grasping for straws for a long time. Uh, they made one playoff appearance since 2004. Uh, very unfortunate. You know what else is unfortunate? Just looking at their tax situation, looking at their, their financial situation. Uh, it's something I like to touch on in, in my podcast. I'm a big, big fan of the, you know, the CBA and, and how that all operates. But I look at their team and I see that they're $800,000 below the tax line. And then I look at the roster and it's almost like it doesn't match for me because if you're a tax team, usually you're at least a playoff team, a solid playoff team. Uh, but there is a disconnect there when it comes to the talent and when it comes to how much money they're spending. That comes down to how they allocated the resources over the past few years. It's been less than ideal. Uh, they've gone through a lot of um, turnover when it comes to the coaches. And, you know, Kat's quote, uh, you know, the other week talking about, I've been through everything. I've seen everything on this team. It's unfortunate. I really hate that for him because he's one of the great players in this league. So he deserves a chance to at least kind of break back into the playoffs and assert himself on a big stage. Uh, but there is hope for this team. I don't want it to be all gloom and doom because I'm actually high on this team, at least higher than last season because of three guys, Cat, Edwards, and Russell. I went back on cleaning the glass and I looked at their point differential or rather efficiency differential with those three guys on the court. Most of the lineups with those three guys were positive. And then the one that really stood out to me was when those three guys were on the court with Jared Vanderbilt and uh, Jaden McDaniels, when they were all on the court together, plus 37.8 uh, efficiency differential, it was only 44 possessions. Uh, but I think there's a lot to kind of take away from that. If they can kind of put some Swiss army knife guys that are good on defense next to that big three, uh, I think there's, there's, there's an opportunity for them to be really good. So um Timberwolves for you, man. Like, are you, do you think it's going to be more of the same or is this finally the year for Kat and Russell to have some success together over just unfortunate injury circumstances for the past few years? I mean, the first thing you mentioned in terms of the glory days, it's definitely a, a, a phrase or, or something that has a lot of context to it in terms of what right. you see as the glory days for the, for the Lakers. Relative. The glory days is, is, yeah. is Kobe and Shaq. For the Timberwolves, it's that one playoff appearance or the Kevin Love years where right. you had a play that was really good. Uh, so definitely very, very, it very, really depends on what you see glory days as. For, the, for this Timberwolves team, really just the way they've been, to put it frankly, just super dysfunctional. I mean, that's, that's right. We're putting it gently with right, losing their GM just last week. And, and you touched on everything with what Kat said. Um, it, it, it definitely is an unfortunate situation and being in that kind of repeat, repeat of, of, a, of a rebuild, like, like the Kings, the Timberwolves, like those are the teams that you always see, like, okay, like they haven't put together a playoff series almost, let, let alone two in a row and in, in how long. Um, that's something where it, it's tough to really have confidence in them this year. You really, I mean, Cat was one of those guys two, three years ago, GMs were saying, I would start my team with him today. He was on that list. It'd be like him, LeBron and KD as to who would you start your team with today? Right. Um, so to see him to where he's, I mean, whether it was whether it was trade talks or whether it was like his value or, his, or contract situations or the other guys around him, that it really is unsettling to see that. But it, it obviously is the reality when you're only winning however many games. Um, and last year was a testament to that, just in terms of so many, so much being out of his control. Uh, but and bef but before that, right? I mean, just it's kind of a repeat of it's Kevin Garnett, and Kevin Love, and then from what it looks like now, it's gonna be it's gonna be Carl Anthony Towns, where the Wolves get a, a generational talent almost. Um, or what some of it looks like one in terms of like maybe the numbers they're putting up 26 and 12, 26 and 14, whatever it was for Kevin Love. Um, and then it just, it just never pans out. You, you're never able to really get anything out of that. Um, so that's something, right. You would hope to see them fix, but 
with the pieces they have around them right now, I don't see them going very far. How much different is this team than the team we saw last year? Not very, not, not very different. Um, and how much have they improved? Maybe how seamless things go in the front office or everything else? Not much. So apologies to, again, those guests from the Timberwolves, but obviously I have, right, I have to be a little bit realistic with that, that it, it does seem, seem much harder for them uh, to make those, to be, it's, it's harder to be positive about them than it was to be about the Raptors or the Cavs in that sense. Yeah, I, I would, I'm with that. Uh, when it comes down to their potential for this season, I think the difference between this season and last season, even though the roster isn't all that different, is just the fact that they might be a little more healthy than last season. Um, you know, Cat missed a whole ton of time last season. D'Angelo Russell as well with a knee injury. So, I mean, COVID took hold on them a little bit. So I think that that might have sapped a few wins from their total. So I look at them for this season, I – I might be wrong on this. This might be just more of the, the, the Timberwolves curse might be uh, continuing for this season, but I, I think they're going to finish above Cleveland. Uh, and then they're going to be around the same range as, as Toronto. Um, just looking at kind of how explosive they could be uh, with those three players. I mean, when you have an all NBA type guy uh, in the middle, and then you have a former all-star at the point, and then you have a, probably a future all-star next to him in Edwards uh, I think it creates an, a large opportunity for you to be, uh, you know, an exciting team, not only that, but somewhat competitive. And I think the big X factor for them is going to be how they plug that four position. And then that's where it comes down to Jaden McDaniels kind of filling that role, being like a, a spot of three point shooter, uh, being a kind of Swiss army knife on defense. If he can be the connector glue that kind of brings those other three guys together I think that opens the door for them to be a borderline play-in team. And that's why I put them in this tier. Uh, some people might scoff at that, but I, I think that they're, if they play their cards right, they can start to kind of climb out of this eternal rebuild that they've been in for, for quite some time. So uh, it comes down to, I think, that four position and then also the depth of this team. That's another big factor. Um, Patrick Beverly, I don't know if you're one of those guys that love or hate him because I don't think there's any middle ground. Uh, but I think he can have a huge impact on this team due to his toughness, uh, his, his defensive uh, attention to detail, and uh, you know being a, a competent offensive player. Nothing great, but but good enough in, in, in small samples. So um, when it comes down to the depth, I think that's a major point that can make or break their season for them. So I don't know if that was enough to talk you out of being lower on them, but I, I think they're going to be an extremely exciting team. Uh, you know that has an opportunity to kind of flip the script uh, for where they've been uh, recently. I do like that. And it did help a little bit in getting me a little more positive than because the biggest thing you mentioned that I loved was that really any team, I mean, it's funny in the NBA, you just think of talent and right. You think of everything as a two can, it's all an overall rating system. Right. Yeah. And it's just not how basketball works. It's just, not, it's just not the reality of it. Right. Mm -hmm. If a team just plays their cards right and, and things work and guys are motivated and things just click, things are good. Things are going to happen. Um, that's something right. This team definitely has time to do it together. It's just, it, for me, it was always like, they've never, they, they haven't proven that at all. You know, like players haven't proven that like through across the board where maybe other teams have, mm -hmm. uh, but definitely interesting to see, right. How that's able to, to really take shape and take mold. You asked me about Patrick Beverly. And again, I'm, I'm going to be a little biased here because, and I keep on bringing him up, which is kind of weird that he keeps on coming back to this, but I was hanging out with Nima and Aaron Miller, Aaron Miller's uh, Patrick Beverly's trainer when we were in, in Vegas. Um, and just, just in general though, right. Like even before that, obviously that interaction, which might make me a little bit biased, um, Pat Beverly's, I mean, you hear about it in all these interviews where Tim Wolves players are saying, like, he's making us play 10 times harder. Um, he's really, you know, as a veteran leader, it doesn't get better than, than Pat Beverly. Now, 
if he's on your, if he's on your team, you might be saying that if you're not, if he's not on your team, you might hate the guy. Oh, yeah. um, that's kind of maybe how it's been with him for his whole career. Um, but th- hearing that is, is definitely positive because that might be, I mean, right. Maybe not having the talent of Chris Paul, but maybe having the impact in terms of leadership that could change his team completely. And maybe right, something, it's something we never would have said about the Suns last year. And they had a, a number one overall pick, like, you know, the same way that the Wolves have a number one overall, had to have a number one overall pick in their roster. Uh, they have other, they had other pieces, but you know, like Devin Booker, the same way that the, the Timberwolves do, but they couldn't really put it together. That's what's going to be fascinating is if, like, like you said, that might be the difference maker. And honestly, that, that would prove a lot of people wrong. Um, it might make my, my being, being a little bit uh, um, hesitant with them, you know, seem laughable in the next few months, but just like a lot of people did with the Suns last year. Um, so that's going to be fascinating too, is can this team play their cards right? Can they get out of the, the eternal rebuild they've been in? And who knows? I mean, if, 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 if things go right across the board, right, guys get better, like literally the same way the Suns did. Position by position, guys just buying it and getting, you know, having breakout years across the board. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what might happen? That, that, that's that's why I love basketball. I know that's why you love it too, and that's kind of makes it so interesting. Talk, talking about teams that you know maybe other people might find boring, but seeing how you know it could happen for them, that's awesome. That's exactly right, man. Like you, you hit on the head when it comes to one of the reasons we love basketball, and we don't just love it because of the teams that are the top tiers. You know, not just for the Bucks and the Nets and the Lakers, but also for the teams that are just trying to find their way. Uh, one of the great parts or great pleasures of basketball is like watching guys make strides in their game. And then as a result of that, watching teams make strides. And we saw that with the, with the Suns and the Hawks last season, uh, it was really cool to kind of witness that. And we can't, I don't think it's fair to talk about these teams in terms of talent. Uh, you know, there's, there's subtle differences there, but I think what separates these teams in the doldrums from the teams at the top of the league is it's, it's the little things you know it's the it's the front offices it's the the schemes on the court it's the the mentality the culture of the team and the problem with the Timberwolves over the past many years I, I think the culture has just been a losing one you know you have this turntable of coaches you have the roster turnover uh, guys haven't really got a chance to kind of really dig into like a winning formula so if that changes this season uh, you don't have a coaching change uh, you, you, you remain with the similar starting lineups. Uh, you keep some of the guys that have been here for depth for a while, like Nas Reed and, and uh, Malik Beasley, you know, guys like that, you know, bringing in Rubio as a veteran presence, that could kind of start to shift things around. So that's why I think I am, um, I'm excited to see where Minnesota goes from here. And even if it doesn't result in a, a straight off playoff appearance, if they even get close to that point, it's a step in the right direction. And it's a sign that they're really utilizing the talent around towns. And I'm just hoping and praying that they take advantage of that talent because guys like him don't come around very often. They're, they're lucky to have had so many franchise talents in such a, such a short window. So we'll see how they kind of manage it. But uh, in any case, I think Minnesota is going to be a great team and be sure to lock them under your league pass rankings because they're going to be a treat the whole way. Definitely. I like what you said about just them making them even missing the playoffs is still a win in some cases because right you're at least showing progress that's maybe the biggest thing maybe the front office can't turn to Carlton and say hey you know like we've made the playoffs this many years with you here or, you know this is the projection it's more like look we've got it we've, we've made improvements we've made strides we've put pieces around you to get a little bit better it's when you start seeing 15 you know seeing 15th or 14th in the west that's when it starts make, becoming really hard uh to believe in, in the front office or believe in what's around you if you can show subtle steps, okay, you know, we got this piece and this piece made us this much better, or this guy won six man of the year. Like it's things like that, or it was a contention. It's things like that that just gets buzz around a team and makes and makes people believe in it. So even if you're not making the playoffs, you could still have that buzz 
Um, and like you said, I mean, they definitely have the talent to, to make that buzz realistic. Let's just see if it happens. Exactly, man. Uh, so we're rounding out the, uh, the finish of this podcast, but before I let you go, I wanted to present you with one last question. Uh, you've touched on some of your guests, some of the people you've interacted with over the, over the years with the podcast and things like that. A lot of cool people that you've had the opportunity to talk with. So as we discuss hype, as we discuss this, the excitement of basketball, I wanted to get your opinion on maybe not just one person, because I'm sure that's very difficult for you, but maybe just like a few people that are like, have been some of the favorite uh, personalities that you've had the opportunity to interview or just speak with in the basketball world. I love this question. And I actually, I really happy when you asked it because it's just something I love talking about, obviously, because I, and I, I'm happy you let me t- say more than one, because I hate just, you know, le- leaving it to one guest when there's been so many and so many that have helped me out tremendously. Uh, mm-hmm. If I, if I had to pick one, and I, I, I say this a lot, it would be Albert Hall, um, not just because of recency bias, because it maybe it was, the, you know, such a crazy thing at Summer League, but it was mainly because seeing him in person, doing it in the, in the studio, right. And you, 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 I saw you in the studio, you know what it was like, yeah. that, that studio was awesome. Dope, so sitting with him at the studio. And then the biggest thing that meant a lot to me was he turned the interview over on me and asked me questions about myself and what my, like, why, why Gen Z hoops? And like, no one's ever done this before. This is pretty cool. Like, I'm always asking questions and he actually turned it around on me. Uh, so whether it's his reaction to the socks or doing it in the live studio or him turning the tables on me, um, I like, he's definitely would be someone that's just in the short time that I've known him been super, super helpful, but other people definitely include Nick, uh, Nick Lages and other uh, sports business classroom alumni, um, who's the GM of the Mexico city Capitanes. He's been incredible. I mean, he's just been so friendly. I wish I could have seen him more at summer league, uh, but got to awesome. see him briefly before he left. Uh, yeah. Greg Buckner, who I worked, I worked his camp, ended up meeting Darius going through that and having him on the show. Uh, Coach Buck has been awesome. And I'm going to see him when he comes to New York uh, to play the Knicks. Uh, I think it's, it's a game of the beginning of November. I forget when, um, but him, the Charger coming at like the same, like really close around the same time. So I'll be seeing all my Cavs guys then, uh, which is great. Um, and then definitely, I mean, there's so many others that I can name and I feel bad, right? If I keep on going, I'll be leaving some guys out. Those are the guys that I saw this summer that I really got to spend time with. And I really, right, like it's Coach Greg inviting me to his camp and stuff like that. Like those were things that really stood out to me and the things I'm going to be forever thankful for. Because uh, that maybe set up, I mean, this summer was, was incredible. Summer League was like the the absolute like pinnacle of that. Uh, but there were steps leading up to it, like, you know, going to Coach Buck's camp or like me, you know, really talking to Nick a lot more in June and July. And him, him, he kind of set me off on the basketball camp game. That's what he calls me. When he used to work the Stanford camp, he said, he would, he told me, John, work as many camps as you can. That's what, and that's when I saw, I saw Coach Buckner post on Instagram. I'm like, I'm doing that camp. Oh, I'm doing the Brooklyn Nets camp in August. When I, two days, I got, I landed from Vegas and I was doing that camp two days later. Like wow. that's kind of what uh, came over me because of, of Nick's, of Nick's guidance. Um, so it's things like that that really maybe made a uh, gave me a, a switch, and that's in that regard in terms of how I approach things. Yeah, because uh, I, I had it kind of figured out, you know, over Zoom, like how to network with people. Mm-hmm. But physically in person, it was it was I had to, I had to, there was some rust to kick off. It was a year and a half off of, of talking to people in person. Yeah. Uh, so those were guys that were very influential to me, and kind of getting comfortable doing that, and and having such a successful time at summer league, but also a successful time growing this show and something I'm so passionate about. So. I mean, it's, it's super excited to have come on the show. This has been incredible. I mean, I really thank you for doing this. Because uh, the moment you texted me, I was like, dude, like, let's do it. This is going to be awesome. Um, and thank you also for turning it on me and letting me uh, share some about guys like Albert Hall, who've been super helpful um, yeah. and, and really allowed me to continue growing my brand and the platform um, and seeing where we can go from here. Because it, you, you said years, it's only really been months. It's been, it's been, yeah. we, we, we only just now reached the one year anniversary. Same thing with no trade clause, right? I mean, everyone kind of assumes, oh, you're so, have you, like, I, I think I told you, I think I told you this on one of the, actually, I told it to Anil, and then I think I told you at Summer League. I thought you guys were around for like five years. I just assumed. Oh, no. Like oh, when no. I saw, like when I saw you guys in, in March, when I was at the SBC thing and there was a virtual thing, like, oh, do your stuff with no trade clause. I saw your logo. I'm like, 
oh, I feel like this wasn't been, I don't think I saw this when I was like in high school. And that's not true. And I was like, not even the closest to the truth. So yeah. it's funny, right? Like that's kind of, that's kind of what it's all about is having something so, like making so much content in a short amount of time, being, or, you know, doing such a good job at what you do that people just kind of assume it's been there for forever, even though it hasn't been. Um, so that's, I thought that was something that's a real uh, testament to the work that's being put in across the board and seeing, you know, young people like us killing it in this, in this regard. It just warms my heart. So, uh, super excited to come on. Would love to come on again when you, whenever, you, whenever you need me, because uh, this was a, a really fun time and got me thinking totally differently about teams that are always under the radar. So, thank you. Yeah, of course, man. You know, John is doing great work out there. So, be sure to check him out. And you know, as you mentioned, I mean, relationships are everything in basketball. So, you definitely have to be cognizant of those opportunities whenever they become available. So, why don't you let the listeners know where they can find you if they want to get involved with some of the content you have uh, going out out there on the internet. Definitely. So try to make it as easy as possible. You can find us everywhere at Gen Z Hoops, uh, everywhere, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn, whether it's where I get all my guests. So that's a very important platform. LinkedIn's huge. Uh, YouTube, really everywhere. I mean, recently, I mean, we've mentioned him. This is maybe the fifth or sixth time we mentioned him on the show but with Nima. Uh, we started up a new chapter that obviously uh, uh, Gen Z is still going to go on, but this is kind of our shared project um, in two-way, great grinding the NBA G League. That's all. That's my way of saying, hey, look, I love the NBA. I love the NCAA. I love the WNBA. I love all these leagues in the world. International basketball, they're all great. Mm -hmm. uh, but the G League is just special, man. Like, I, I mean, I, I, everyone that I was meeting at Summer League was either a guest of mine from the G League, or they, you know, they, they were in the G League five years ago, or whatever. Like they, everyone's touched that at some point. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and the stories I tell from there are the most interesting ones. Like, sure, the NBA ones are great, too, and I love I loved telling those. But the G League ones are the ones that really I, I can relate to a lot more. I can see myself living those stories out in the next year or two, hopefully. So, like, and, and I know a lot of other young people feel the same way. So I think the G League is something that I'm, I'm captivated by. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm This year, I'm going to be a Long Island season ticket holder. A lot of my friends are getting opportunities, like, covering the G League teams or coaching. Like, a lot, it's funny. So many of my guests now are texting me like, hey, I just got a job with this team. I, I should, you know, like I'll come out and do a part two on two-way because when they came on two-way, they were college coaches or they were whatever. And now they now they have G, G League on their resume. Oh, um, and they have that experience to talk about. So that's to kind of give an example. Nick Lay just came on to G, Gen Z Hoops to talk about, we, we spoke about everything, his time over in Australia, his time with the South Bay Lakers, his time growing up and uh, geography being his major. Really cool stuff. Uh, but when he comes on two-way in the next few weeks, he should be, uh, he's coming on. Uh, we're working with the uh, Mexico uh, City PR, PR department to make that happen. It's going to be all about uh, the Mexico City. That's that's it. Uh, we already touched on his on Nick's story and how incredible it was on Gen Z hoops, but now it's all about Mexico City and the historic season they're about to have, uh, kicking things off for the G League abroad. Uh, so it's going to be fun, and I'm I really can't wait to tell those stories. So it's at Gen Z hoops at Two Way. My personal gets it, sometimes it's John Harder Phillips, sometimes it's J Dot Hard Twenty One. It gets a little weird, uh, but hopefully I, like that's one thing is putting the show everywhere to where if you type it in, it's going to come up on Google. That's, that's the goal. Uh, so if you can't find it somewhere, let me know. I'll put it on there. Whoever, whoever's listening, please let me know. And I'll put it on a directory in India. Or like I'm on fit, which is in India. And I always tell that story because I had like one listener from there, like a month, but that's one listener I wouldn't have had. Um, so it's kind of that, that's the, what the grind's all about. Really appreciate you for giving this, for giving me this platform to talk about this and, and share these ideas about like we said, teams that don't get discussed about enough because that's what I'm all about is telling stories about those about those teams or people or organizations or coaches or whatever that don't get the love they deserve. So no better way to do that than to talk about you know teams that, that may don't get that love. So thank you. Absolutely. Anytime, man. So this has been a great installment. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, next week, we'll be kind of diving into the teams that will be legitimate kind of playoff threats uh, that will be you know in the plane or higher kind of in that, uh, that middle ground of the Easter Conference. So Hope you will tune in next week for that installment. But until then, guys, enjoy this uh, preseason as we get closer to the regular season. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day as we continue to uh, just enjoy basketball, enjoy the NBA. So take care, everybody, and uh, we'll see you soon.